Hey everyone, welcome back to The Shivering Mouse. I am so excited to talk to you today because I have a huge announcement. And I, you'll either love it or hate it. We'll see how it goes. But there are big changes coming for The Shivering Mouse podcast. Um, as some of you probably know, I'm about to move to South Carolina. So my headquarters will be in a much less uh, shivery place, which is exciting for me because I'm actually not a huge fan of being cold. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about not being up here where it's cold anymore. Like literally their winter down there is not that much cooler than our summer up here. It's kind of crazy. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. There's so much to see, and my hubby is a history buff, so he's excited to see a lot of things from a state that's been part of the country a lot longer than Michigan has, and and we're just so excited. There's so many hiking trails. There's a lot more amenities for our dogs, and it's looking like a pretty great place, and I'm incredibly excited about it. Plus, if you know me, I love to travel and see new things, and so this is very exciting to me. Anytime where I get to go on a car ride through the mountains, I'm I'm a pretty happy chappy. I get pretty excited about it. I love the mountains, and I love the beaches, and I'm I'm so excited. I love really old historical cities, too. So to me, this is really exciting. Some of my favorite places are like New Orleans and Savannah and St. Augustine. And I'm, I'm so excited to be living in one of the older cities in our country's history. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. But with that big of a change comes um, some changes to the podcast that I hope that you will be excited about. And I know I'm super excited about it. I mean obviously, because things are getting pretty awesome, but I'm hoping you'll be excited about it, too. Now, the change in location is not really the catalyst for the change, but, um, I mean, obviously, I would not be shivering with cold anymore, because I'd be somewhere warm, but I I don't know how to lead into this, uh, this announcement. I guess basically the biggest catalyst for the change is the role of Disney in my life. Um, You know, when you hang out with a friend that has been your, your good, good friend, even when you were really, really little, but they start having some behaviors that are really kind of the opposite of what you and this friend have always believed and they're kind of uh like they'll insult you and laugh oh, like like mother gothel oh i'm just kidding i didn't mean to say this vicious thing to you or i didn't mean to totally cut down all of your belief system and stuff like that you know just that kind of underhanded friendship well everybody knows one-sided relationships are not healthy relationships and I'm afraid that for some of us more OG Disney fans, and I consider myself that even though I wasn't around when like Disneyland or even Disney World opened, but I've been a Disney fan my whole life, some of us original, long-term, long-standing Disney fans are kind of getting shoved aside, both us and our values are getting shoved aside and even mocked as Disney 
plunges forward into what they think is the future. And so, you know, it's, it's just, it's hard for me. So if I do struggle a little in this episode, I, I hope you'll bear with me. Disney has been a huge part of my family's history my whole life. We, when I was a kid, would go for a week at a time or more to Disney. And my mother went with her parents and her grandparents. I've been to Disney with my great-grandmother, and I've been there with my sister-in-law when she was expecting my nephew. So, like, five or six generations of my family have been through this park, and it's meant a lot for us and our traditions. So it's really hard for me to be disappointed with them. I've kind of uh, ignored a lot of negative things that Disney has done and has been doing in favor of how much I love my memories there. And, um, you know, just kind of looking at the bright side, which is kind of what you do when you and a friend start to have very different values and start to grow apart. You kind of ignore it for as long as you can because you don't want to grow apart. You want this important part of your life to, to remain part of your life. But unfortunately, a lot of the decisions the Disney company is making no longer align with my values, both my family values and kind of my personal values. I've just kind of been ignoring it for a long time because of this role that the, these parks and that this company has played in my life. And I've overlooked a lot of stuff that I just didn't want to see. So today we're going to talk about that. After my super happy South Carolina announcement, there comes a somewhat sad announcement about the changes that are coming to the podcast because of the changes that have been made within this company. Disney's always been kind of pushing forward and pushing forward and so on, and it never really bothered me, probably for me personally, the first change that I was really aware of that I really didn't like as far as their values goes were changes to the Pirates of the Caribbean. Now, <laughs> I know I go on and on about disliking the changes to the Imagination Ride or other situations like that where I just think that they made a mistake with different attractions and I just think it was, you know, mistakes that just make the attraction less attractive. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about decisions that actually alienate people who love this place and love its history. Not so much, you know, matters of taste, but matters of principle. And so the change to Pirates of the Caribbean by slowly changing the values of that attraction over the course of several, several years... Um, the first big change was changing from the pirates chasing the women throughout the attraction to the women chasing the pirates, and so on and so forth. Basically, the original idea of pirates was to represent the seven deadly sins and the cursed existence that you have after your death because of breaking these seven deadly sins. And so they kept, throughout time, they've been kind of 
toning that down and toning it down and toning it down and turning pirates who are essentially, historically, some of the worst people that have ever come across our planet and uh, slowly been making them into the good guys, the heroes of this attraction. Now, this was ramped into a faster kind of fever pitch once the Pirates of the Caribbean movies came out, but it had started before that when they'd start making it so that the ladies were chasing the pirates instead of the pirates chasing the ladies, or the pirates would just be chasing food, you know, stuff like that. So they started making those changes just to kind of pander, usually in this case more to kind of feminism and stuff like that, but also to kind of get away from the whole seven deadly sins thing because we live in a culture now that doesn't believe in sins, you know, or believes that saying a not nice thing, if you say those no-no words, that's the same as a sin, and you're for sure going to go to hell for telling someone they're an idiot rather than for, you know, committing adultery. <laughs> you know, that's our value system has become so upside down and Disney has actually gone ahead and adopted that and put the stamp of approval on what is and is not acceptable starting with this attraction. Now, putting Johnny Depp and Captain Jack Sparrow into the attraction and Blackbeard and stuff like that, that didn't actually bother me because it didn't change the tone and the uh and the kind of the message of the ride so much, whereas changing the pirates from from really, really awful guys to just kind of charming, mischievous little boys, that kind of bothers me more so than, you know, just pandering to the uh, to the Pirates of the Caribbean movie crowd. It is what it is, younger people who only know the attraction from the movie. This was a way for them to connect the two things, though I personally think there were enough connections put into the movie. I see why they did that. The Johnny Depp thing, that, that doesn't bother me so much. In fact, I think it's kind of funny that he'll every now and then go in and play his character on the ride. That's That's kind of charming. So that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about... Disney taking classic attractions and trying to make them political. Members of the middle class of America spend two to three years at least, often five or more, trying to save up to go to Disney World, to go on vacation. The purpose of a vacation is to get away from all of the politics and hubbub and hecticness of our world. We don't then want to go on vacation to be preached at about feminism and rights and politics and, uh, oh goodness, about global warming and all of that stuff. We go on vacation to get away from that stuff. Stop beating us over the head with it and making us pay you to do it. I don't know. I just, like I said, vacation to me is supposed to be a break from all that kind of thing, and instead they've turned vacation into, here's an opportunity where you pay us to preach at you. Well... Yay! <laughs> and not just pay them to preach at you, but we pay a lot, right? So it just, it bothers me. And of course, in Pirates of the Caribbean, most recently, they changed Red the uh, Bride for the Bride auction into Red the Pirate. That really bothered me, partially because this is one of the last things that Walt got to see in the park before he passed away. And at the time, he was so weak that he had to ride like a, almost like a crane-like device to have him ride through, because the ride was not complete yet. They had only finished this scene. And Walt thought it was hilarious. And so to me, to change, I understand things that the parks have to change. It's not 
Walt himself said it's not a museum. Things have to change with time and stuff like that. But to me, to touch, to change the things that are some of kind of the last things that he was able to personally touch bothers me a lot. <laughs> it feels like they're just kind of trying to wipe him out, which, I mean, that's what people are trying to do with all white straight men these days. So, you know, why not him too? So, sorry about that. I got to take a little drink. But, so... By changing that to me, it almost feels like kind of slapping him in the face because it's kind of one of the last things that he was able to put that final stamp of approval, that last Walt Disney touch on, and they wipe it ahead just to, again, make a political statement. People don't come to Disney for a political statement. People come to Disney to get away from all of that. The people who have been going there for years, people with jobs who work hard, who want to get away from their jobs and the news, they go to Disney World, and now they just get more tedious news. And so, to me, that was really, really disappointing. Next is probably Onward. That was another one that kind of pushed me towards this decision. And not because I dislike the movie. It actually pushed me towards this coming decision because I really, really liked Onward. But again, they had to put politics into it. And it's literally just one throwaway line, which almost bothers me more than if the politics were a major plot point, because by making it one throwaway line, that means it didn't have to be there. You were just pandering to people who will not be satisfied by one throwaway line. They will, you know, they want it to be the full focus of the movie. So literally by putting in that throwaway line, you've upset your base, your family values people who don't want that in there, and you've upset the people who do want it in there because it wasn't a big enough part. So it was such obvious pandering that even the people they were pandering to were annoyed by it. And it bothers me so much because without that one line that didn't even need to be there, it is otherwise a fantastically funny movie and an incredible ride. So to me, it was just so annoying that they had to put that in there just to put it in there. And it bothers me, because again, you watch Disney movies for the same reason you go to the parks, for the escapism, to, for a moment, leave our world and politics and work and and cooking and cleaning and, and exhaustion and just go on this fantastic journey. So to inject politics into it, to me, defeats the purpose of the movie. Next are a couple of the Pixar shorts, and I'm going to discuss two in particular. One, the one that's all, all over the news. Everybody's seen it about the guy coming out of the closet. There's that one, but also I'm going to discuss one that I actually kind of liked, but I just think it's kind of not Disney Plus's place, and I think that that's, I think it's called Loop. It's about a girl with special needs making friends with a, a boy and him kind of coming to understand her better. And part of why I include that, even though I liked that short and I don't find anything really objectionable about its message as I do the other one, I include them both in the same category of maybe parents want to discuss the topics of special needs with their kids before they're exposed to it on Disney, just as I think parents want to discuss the topic of sexuality with their kids before just stumbling on it on Disney. And this is not just my side of the aisle. I'd like to think that both sides of the aisle, whether you agree with 
the point that they're making about sexuality or whether you disagree with it. I think either side, parents kind of want to be the ones to talk to their kids about this kind of stuff. They don't want their kid to just stumble on it on Disney Plus when the kid might not be ready to understand. And nobody is a better judge of what kids are ready to understand than the parents. So a two or three year old who doesn't even know anything about adult physical maturity and things like that isn't going to understand a Pixar short about a man coming out of the closet because they don't understand adult love in any sense because, you know, they're a child. And so I feel like both of these topics, both the out short and the loop short, are things that parents kind of want to talk to their kids about and prep their kids about. You know, you want to talk to your kids about handling kids with special needs and how to handle that sensitively and just, you know, say, hey, you know what? Some days you need a little more patience to deal with. I Some days I need a little more patience to deal with. And some days, you know, people with special needs need a little more patience to deal with. And it's important to have that patience for everybody, you know, and stuff like that. Parents want to have these kind of meaningful discussions, not only on the topic of these kind of adult things, but also on the topic of special needs and how to approach and make friends with somebody with that kind of difficulty in their life. Parents want to talk about these things. They don't want their kid to learn their major life lessons on Disney and to just stumble onto topics that I think not only should be discussed in a large, you know, in a larger context with your family, but require discussion with your family. Regardless of what you believe about either of these topics, these are topics that I think you should discuss as a family rather than just kind of come across them and then come to have your children come to you with a bunch of questions. I would just say these are things that that parents should decide when they're part of the child's life, and parents should decide how they're introduced. Because no matter what your values are, these are topics that will be a part of your basic value structure. And whether your values are totally different from mine or exactly the same, these are things that are for you, the parent, to decide where your child stands on rather than a large corporation that doesn't know your child personally and know what they're ready to handle. So that was a big one for me. I mean, obviously, personally, I, I kind of disagree with some of the values in the one short, not so much the other. I actually liked Loop a lot, but um, I do think it's something that if I had children, I would probably want to talk to them about it. And so that just struck me as kind of that same category. The only way to make sure your kids have your values, whatever those values may be, is by instilling those values in your child rather than letting other people give your child their values. The next one is going to be, I don't think quite as controversial, because I think um, from what I've found online, I'm not the only one who feels this way about this one, and that is Splash Mountain. I'm going to get this right out of the way and just throw it on the floor for you all to look at like a gross mess, and that's, I do want a Princess and the Frog attraction. I've wanted a Princess and the Frog attraction, or better yet, you guys, a restaurant 
holy moly, <laughs> since uh, that movie came out. It's one of my favorites. If you listen to our Shivering Six episode on princesses, Tiana's one of my favorites because she's such a hard worker, and I think she's a great role model. She thinks rather than just wishes and believes, and it, I, I adore the movie. I adore Tiana, and I think she should have an attraction. I do not think that they should take away from another attraction in order to make it. There's plenty of room in Disneyland to give Tiana her own attraction without taking over Splash Mountain. I think, um, you know, a lot of people talk about Song of the South being racist without ever having actually seen it. It's actually incredibly hard to get a hold of. I think if you want a good resource on the actual meaning of Song of the South and the actual story, you need to either check out, there's an episode on uh, the WDW radio show where Lou Mangello talks to Jim Corcus about Song of the South, and then Jim Corcus, Disney historian, has also written a book called Who's Afraid of Song of the South, which gives you a greater context of what's actually in the movie and the effect that the movie has had on our culture. And I think almost, I think it's almost more racist to try to erase the history where James Baskett became the first African-American man to win an Academy Award and that Walt nominated him for it and all of that. Okay, by erasing the story, you erase that history. And I think that it's an incredible story, um, not just Song of the South itself, but the story of what happened in people's lives in order to make that possible. And the passing away of James Baskett shortly afterwards. And it's an incredible story. I highly recommend you either read the book or check out the episode on WDW Radio Show. It's like two hours long, so I'm not going to be able to sum up the whole thing here. I do think I've talked about it before, but it's an incredible story, and I think part of why it's interpreted as racist today is because so few people are able to get a hold of it. You know, I've seen in comments and discussions online, African American people who have actually seen the movie are actually less inclined to call it racist than white people who've never seen it. So I think, you know, we just need to just hold off on judging something that you've never even seen. And never had any experience with because the more you learn about it, the more you learn about Uncle Remus being the hero of the story. And, you know, really, from what I have heard and understood about the story, really the only decent adult in the film. And his decency is really what saves the family and saves the little boy. And so to me, I don't know, it just frustrates me that there are so many complaints about a movie that nobody's even seen that they're getting rid of Splash Mountain to make a Princess and the Frog. And basically, they're not even changing the ride. It's basically going to be an overlay like they do at the Haunted Mansion in California. So it's just, it's, it's frustrating to, again, see all of the political pandering that this has become just to appeal to a movement that's going to be around for a little while. And of course, every time they pander and change an attraction, they spend millions of dollars and park prices go up for people that really, really loved the parks, whereas the people who are complaining about the parks already hate Disney. They're not coming, guys. <laughs> They're not going to come pay for the tickets for the thing that you're changing. So you're charging the people who like things the way they are to pay for people who aren't going to come there but want to complain. I don't understand the business sense in that. It bothers me. Next one is probably one of my bigger 
complaints about Disney bigger than anything I've talked about so far. All of the things so far are things that kind of annoy me a little. This one's more than a little annoyance. This is kind of a big deal, and it has to do with a lot of the rumors coming out of the Disney company right now, where you may have noticed a lot of high-level Disney executives are suddenly getting off from all of their social media, deleting their social media, and wiping out any comments or messages that have occurred on that social media. That's because Disney had a hack. And uh, from what they found in this hacked material, it sounds as though a lot of Disney folks have been getting a little too cozy with the Chinese Communist Party. In fact, in the Disney parks, there are supposedly, now this is just rumor so far, but it's rumor that's kind of being confirmed by how quickly they're all jumping off this sinking ship of social media. Uh, you know, we all know how rats feel about sinking ships. Well, apparently members of the actual Chinese Communist Party have been working within Disney to help change Disney messaging and help kind of push Chinese ideology onto American children. Now, we knew China was heavily influencing Disney, both when it came to Star Wars. We all know about how they took John Boyega in the Star Wars movie posters and pushed him farther to the back of the poster so that he wouldn't be as noticeable because, you know, he's one of those brown people that, that Chinese people don't like so much. But also, I personally believe that Finn, John Boyega's character, was set up to really in, in uh, Force Awakens to be the most interesting character. I mean, Rey is a Mary Sue, so she's by nature just not interesting. She's the magically good at everything and everybody likes her character you know, essentially kind of the same way I feel about Superman, like, okay, you're vanilla pudding, that's, that's fine, <laughs> you know, that's appetizing, but nothing special to write home about, whatever. So, Ray to me, was not interesting enough to be bothered to watch the next few movies with, because she's so, she's a blank canvas, and probably on purpose, she's basically a fan fiction character. But John Boyega's character of Finn was actually incredibly interesting because to me the most exciting arc was to see this guy go from being a stormtrooper and you know an a employee of the first republic to see him go from then at the end of the movie he not only holds but ignites a lightsaber implying that he is a force sensitive individual and so you're super excited because you're like oh man this series is going to be so cool we're going to see this guy make this incredible journey from being a stormtrooper all the way to being a Jedi, and that would be an incredible arc. It'd be such a cool thing, but no, no, Chinese don't like brown people, so his character is pretty much sidelined to the back of the story, and you basically just listen to him whine on and off through the rest of the series, and that's about it. So the Chinese also are not big fans of interracial relationships, which is part of why when you see him and Rose starting to get kind of a crush on each other in the second movie, then they kill that right away. You don't even get to see Rose again in the third one. And that's because of that Chinese market that Disney's trying to cater to more than having a good story and more than caring about what its American audience wants. They want that sweet, sweet Chinese cash. Sorry, I took another drink there. But, yeah, so the Chinese influence on our stories that we're getting out of Disney and media now 
and uh, did I say Disney media? Yeah, you know what I meant. But uh, the Chinese influence not over only over the stories, but the influence of Chinese Communist Party members being alleged in there, and then that being why Disney CEOs and other C-level employees are all jumping ship off from social media so that nobody can track what we're saying online with these other people, you know, and stuff like that. I just... I'm not a fan. It makes me super uncomfortable that an entirely different culture is trying to change and help develop the minds of our youth right now. We know that the uh, Chinese pandering is the whole reason they made the movie Mulan back in the 90s was just to keep that Chinese market because, oh no, the Chinese people are mad at us and they have money. And then, you know... They did the same thing when redoing Mulan because the Chinese apparently were not thrilled with, you know, Mushu and other kind of fantasy elements of Mulan. So the new redo of Mulan, again, was made purely to kind of bend the knee to the Chinese Communist Party. And it's frustrating to me because Disney is kind of one of those universal symbols of Americana. When other countries think of America, they think of Mickey Mouse, they think of McDonald's, they think of, I'm sorry, but Walmart. You know, they, these are the things that they associate with American culture. And so to have Disney not really give a darn about American culture and really just want all that Chinese money and to let Chinese influence infiltrate it to make it less and less and less American is incredibly frustrating because it is one of the hallmarks of our American history and it's incredibly annoying to watch as it kind of uh, is not about that life anymore, right? So it's, I don't know, it's just incredibly frustrating because they've literally, with Star Wars, sacrificed a good story in order to, you know, stay in the Chinese good graces and that really bothered me. Um, you know, the the situation with the Mulan movies. I mean, Mulan was my, one of my favorite movies as a kid, and that's because I didn't realize it was made just to make Chinese people happy. As a little girl, I just thought it was a fun story. So, I don't know, it's frustrating as you get older and you see more of the things that you didn't want to earlier. Now, this is kind of a, the point I was making with the Pixar shorts. This is another on my reason why I've got to switch my podcast up here. As a teen, I babysat a lot. Like, that's how you made money to buy your school clothes for the next year, right? I babysat all the time. And I enjoyed it. It was pretty fun, you know. But one thing when you're babysitting is eventually you're probably going to have to make dinner or lunch or snacks or something. And when you have kids that aren't baby babies, you can put on the TV and they can watch something for 20 minutes while you make a meal or while you clean up after making a meal. And then you can get back to them and then you go back out to play. Well, as a kid and a teen, you used to be able to pretty safely put on the Disney Channel and you could go outside and do what you had to do, making lunch in the kitchen or at the grill or whatever, and you could trust that the kids weren't getting any mature adult material while watching the Disney Channel. And this is no longer the case. Again, I think a lot of the topics that come up on Disney 
especially Disney Channel shows, uh, but the Dis- even now the Pixar shorts are materials that should be discussed between the adult and their child, and so are not suitable for a babysitter or you know temporary guardian to put on the TV, because if these questions come up, these are questions for the parents to answer, not the babysitter who is probably like 14, you know? <laughs> and so these are worldview-shaping questions that another child is not equipped to answer. And so the inability, to me at least, to trust Disney any longer for even five or ten minutes with a child, unless you're putting in an old Disney movie, you just can't, you can't trust their judgment anymore. Your children aren't always safe with them. You can't, you can't kind of duck out for a minute to go to the bathroom or whatever when you're babysitting because this is stuff that as the quote-unquote adult, I know a lot of babysitters are teens, as the quote-unquote adult in the room, you may run into something that you're not ready to talk to somebody else's kids about watching the Disney Channel. And the Disney Channel used to be where you were safe from that kind of thing happening. So to me, that's a frustration, is that automatic trust that I've always given Disney is gone. You can't handle that anymore. For crying out loud, they've got Colin Kaepernick teaching history. Colin Kaepernick. Okay, I tell the dude to stay in his lane, but apparently he sucks at football too. So, you know, when nobody else wants to pay you to play football, you get to go be on the Disney Channel and to uh, get that sweet, sweet victim money from somewhere, right? Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? That guy is not even aware of what's happening in the present, and we're going to let him teach kids history? I'm sorry, no. Not happening on this girl's watch. No, no, no. If I ever babysit your kids, we will not be watching Colin Kaepernick talk about history because he can't play football. I don't even like football either, really, but (laughs) apparently none of the other coaches wanted him because who wants to bring that ticking time bomb of controversy onto their team if he can't actually play? I don't know. I think lately Disney is kind of like the good kid who moves to a new school and tries so hard to be popular that they start making choices that are too risque for the good kids to want to be around them and the bad kids are too uncomfortable with them because they're trying too hard. They put in so much effort and soon nobody likes them anyway because they've lost who they are. I just don't know what they're thinking anymore. We all know somebody in our lives who is never happy, somebody who chooses to be unhappy with everything that they have. This is the kind of person that just needs, quote unquote, I've got my scare quotes going, needs new clothes. And then once they have the new clothes, oh, but then they just need a car to be happy and to be pleasant, to be around and to be polite. And now once they've got the car, oh no, now I need a remodel of my bathroom to be happy and to be pleasant, to be around. And until they have these things, they will make you absolutely miserable till they have the next thing. We all know this person. There's all, we've all got this person in our lives who... If they're unhappy, they've got to make everyone around them unhappy, and they will continue to be unhappy and thus make everyone else unhappy until they have the next thing that they're after. But once they get that thing, then they need the next next thing. And that is the kind of people that Disney is pandering to right now, the kind of people that have chosen to never be happy. And so they will not ever be satisfied. You can give them everything. And once they've drained you dry, they'll just move on to the next person who can give them things. Relationships with these people always get incredibly unhealthy because the giver never 
is never able to fill the taker's needs. The takers will take and take and take and take until the giver is empty. And Disney is trying to be the giver in this kind of unhealthy, abusive relationship. And the takers have moved on. The takers just wanted Disney to change Pirates of the Caribbean. Just just change Pirates and it'll all be okay and we'll stop hounding you about our political beliefs. So Disney spent a couple million or a couple hundred thousand or whatever it took to do all new audio animatronics. I imagine it was astronomically expensive. And then, okay, well now, now just 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 change this uh this nasty old splash mountain for us and then just change this other thing over here just just change dixie landings into port orleans riverside we can't have a hotel with a cotton mill we can't that's that's too racist because you know cotton fabric is you know plants plants are very racist plants call you bad mean names when you're walking around in the fields and so we've got to get rid of that nasty cotton mill we'll make it a sugar mill and you know dixie dixie that sounds like the south that might be kind of racist because you know everybody in the south is racist so you know we better change that too to port orleans riverside you know this is it's never going to be enough, guys. Anybody who's ever met somebody who's a taker knows that it will never be enough. And these takers are who is running Disney right now. And they're going to take and take and take and take while those of us who enjoyed Disney are just getting pushed farther and farther and farther away while the prices go up and up and up to pay for all the changes that the takers want made. Disney is trapped in this kind of abusive relationship with people who can never be pleased. All the pandering to change rides and resorts and movies to please the unpleasable costs so much money. And middle class families used to be kind of the target for Disney. There are a couple, you know, gourmet restaurants and spa situations and stuff like that that apply to the upper classes I think more so than the middle class but for the most part you can go about anywhere in Disney in a t-shirt and shorts because it's meant to be kind of a casual middle class situation. Walt deliberately designed a picnic grounds outside the parks with the first park because he wanted for people who can't afford to eat at the restaurants in Disney, people who used everything they had just to be able to go, to have somewhere where they can just go and you know eat their sandwiches and come back into the park. And so he didn't design it to be just for the uber wealthy. And yet as the prices go up and up and up, they're finding that that's going to be soon the only people that can go there. And uh, so as long as he... They keep pandering to the values of that class, then they're fine. They don't need any of those middle class values anymore. It's funny, too, because uh, I've noticed one thing with my particular generation, as the price has doubled in the last 20 years, my generation can't afford to take their kids to Disney World as our parents' generation did. And yet, my generation is responsible for majority of the whining about to make these changes. So I guess you could say we kind of dug our own grave on that one. Whining is unattractive, and my generation, we, we were expert-level whiners. <sighs> they just no longer care about normal families, and they've given up trying to please them in order to please people who have chosen to stay unhappy because it's literally their job. 
Like, instead of having a career or selling a product, these people whine and complain because that's how they get stuff for free. And they've made a career out of it. And it's atrocious, it's obnoxious, it's unattractive, it's unintelligent, and yet that's who our whole society is pandering to right now. And it's incredibly obnoxious. It bothers me that Disney would go so far for people who will never appreciate it. They'll just move on to the next thing that they want them to destroy. Other than the WDW radio show and the Doom Buggy spook show, which uh, really hasn't been updated in quite a while, almost all the Disney podcasts I pull up to do research for this show seem to kind of be in that same vein, though, in that all of the whiners that want Disney to tear apart everything that people knew and loved about it and wanted it to be you know, part of their lives, part of their families, these are the people who would rather have them tear it apart and have it be just about kind of adult conversations. Okay, well, if you want to go to an adult park, there are plenty of places, in, especially in large cities, where adults can go do adult, adulty things. You don't need to bring that to my magic kingdom. I just want the fairy tales and the snacks and none of the more adult controversial topics. Again, you go on vacation to get away from that nonsense. I don't know why that's a hard concept. You pay thousands and thousands of dollars to get away from your troubles just to have them be dumped back in your lap once you go in there. It's frustrating. I've just found the more research I've done, the more time has gone on, the more Disney has changed that my love for Disney is based more on what it used to be than what it currently is. Disney used to be about telling classic tales and fables so that today's generation would be aware of these classical fiction stories like fairy tales and be aware of their messages. Disney was about creativity and, you know, just beautiful art. It was family-friendly. Walt's deliberate purpose for building the parks was to have somewhere to go where parents and kids could both have a good time rather than sitting at the park watching his kids on a merry-go-round while he sits on the park bench and eats peanuts. He wanted something families could enjoy together. Well, I tell you what, the way things are changing, I would definitely not bring my grandma or a child to the parks the way if they keep going in the direction they're going. You know, I mean, right now there's nothing too super bad there, but if the parks keep heading in the direction that the Disney entertainment and movies are going, I wouldn't bring my grandma. <laughs> you know, it's, it's terrible. It breaks my heart because my grandma has gone with us on lots of Disney trips, and yes, she'd probably still be all right there today, but tomorrow, is it going to be going the way of Onward and Star Wars? Because if it is... I would want to protect her from that. And that's terrible to want to protect your family from Disney. Now Disney's all about indoctrinating children through political and social messaging, often with a very Chinese message or a very progressive message about things such as sexuality and communism that children are not ready to absorb and handle in any mature or intellectual fashion. And they want to push it on these kids without the kids having the opportunity to discuss it with their parents first. The Disney I love can be summed up with two words. Old Yeller. A friend that I've grown to love deeply, that made me feel safe, that I would trust my family around, 
has become diseased and dangerous. It no longer cares for you or any other family and would betray you in an instant, even though you still love it so much. In the end, Travis gets a new puppy, after he has to put down Old Yeller. And here's mine. Southern Fried Storytime. That's the name of what my podcast is going to be going forward. And it's going to be kind of different and kind of the same. And I'm going to talk to you first about my reasons to switch. Obviously, personal with everything I've discussed so far this episode, I'm no longer willing to devote so much of my time and my mind to a company that would never give me a second thought. I still love Disney very much. It's played an important role in my family's life and our history and our traditions, but it's no longer family-friendly or customer-focused. And so while I still want to go every once in a while for a long weekend or with my family, I really don't intend for it to play any bigger of a role in my life than any other theme park, including that, you know, that theme park across the road from Disney. I... I'm putting it in the same category as something like that. It's no longer my other home. It doesn't deserve it anymore. And it doesn't feel like home. Now it's it's just a theme park to go once in a while, and it'll no longer be receiving huge quantities of my time, my energy, my thoughts, and my money. It doesn't deserve it anymore. And honestly, it doesn't value or respect my time and my money. It values and respects the time and energy and thoughts of people who are very, very different from me with very, very different values. And if it's not going to be respectful of my values, as it is of the values of people who mock my values, then why should I devote so much of myself to it? I don't want it to be in my mind as much as it has been up until this point. And so I kind of have to create a distance there in order to just keep a healthy relationship with it. Because, you know, just like you don't want to see somebody go running to an ex-boyfriend who treated them badly, I'm not going to continue chasing a company that treats me badly either. So to me, it's I still love it. It's fantastic. I've heard some political podcasters recently talk about how societies when they start to have really, really awful, terrible values, they'll either go one way or the other. They'll either completely collapse into those bad values or they'll have a sharp turnaround. That particular podcaster was pretty optimistic, thinks our society is going to have a turnaround. But until it does, I'm not comfortable with Disney occupying so much of my headspace. They've got enough real estate. They don't need the area between my ears. It's also kind of a professional decision to switch to Southern Fried Storytime, and uh, this is uh, largely because most fairy tales, no matter what culture they're from, are within the public domain and therefore are safe to use without consequences. This will just make it easier for me to get my podcast kind of out there because I, it won't be pulled due to talking about you know Disney so much or Disney intellectual property so much or using a Disney music clip or anything like that it just makes it a lot easier for me to avoid my podcast getting ripped off iTunes because I used a company's name so you know Disney especially if they find out that you're someone with conservative values has been pretty quick to kind of demonetize or shut down anybody who's talking about them or using too many 
music clips or, God forbid, criticizing them in any way whatsoever. And so, you know, if I want to keep everything running, I kind of have to avoid that. And so staying in the public domain will make it easier for me to be able to introduce these stories, tell these stories, discuss them, and not have to worry about any kind of copyright laws or anybody pulling my video or anything like that. I, um, it just kind of takes some of the the technicalities out of out of the equation and gives me a little more freedom because what I'm going to do on Southern Fried Storytime is take stories from all over the world, ancient fairy tales, some of them familiar, some of them a little more obscure, and tell the stories and discuss them, discuss their meaning, what the message you were supposed to get out of them was, and how that applied to the culture at that time. And so this takes kind of the best parts of Disney. I mean, everybody wants to be in the Magic Kingdom because they want to be on a jungle adventure. They want to be in a cowboy adventure. They want to be in a fairy tale adventure. This takes the best aspects of that by going into classic folklore and monsters and, and magical creatures and stuff like that. It takes all of the fun of that, but without the modern political agenda. I'm not telling you how to think. I'm not telling your children how they should live their lives. I'm just telling telling a story. Um, just kind of wrapping this up, I am not going to have an episode next week because we'll be in the, the full swing of our move down south. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a little busy, honestly. But then after that week, it'll be my first episode of the um, of the Southern Fried Storytime podcast. And so those of you who are my patrons over at patreon.com slash shiveringmouse, you'll see that switch from Shivering Mouse to Southern Fried Storytime, and that will all switch over. So if this doesn't sound like the kind of podcast you'd be interested in listening to or being on board with, if you were just here for the Disneyness, you can, of course, adjust your subscriptions accordingly at that time. Or if this sounds like something you would be more interested in, something you want to get behind, you can, of course, subscribe at... Um, patreon.com slash southern fried story time it'll evolve into that over the course of the next two weeks and subscribe there i will continue posting on the anchor podcast app but no longer under shivering mouse it will be under the southern fried story time label and that's what it'll be on itunes as well so big changes i will create a separate facebook page for southern fried story time where I will continue to post every time I update um, something kind of unique that I want to do for Southern Fried Storytime um, that's a little different than I did with Shivering Mouse is one of the things I'm going to have be my patron-only content is that I'm going to actually write a story of my own for you. I haven't done this in a while, but some of you know I did get an award in school for being a good author of children's fiction and so this is going to be kind of more young adult fiction probably like high school middle school age more because it will get a little darker at some points but I am going to go ahead and author a story of my own to put on every Wednesday for my patrons only and then uh, Fridays will be our fairy tale episode. So we're going to be on a very similar schedule as far as something for the patrons on Wednesday, something for the public on Friday. You shouldn't see too much change, but I do want you to update me as I go through and change things and uh, 
let me know if you have trouble accessing any of the episodes and stuff like that. But again, I am taking about a week off, so uh, it'll be a few days before anything else drops. And I do apologize for the gap. It's just going to be really hard to get everything moved and set up on time because I'm literally moving 16-hour drive away. So it's going to be a big change, and I hope that you'll all bear with me as I go through it. I, From what I've seen, should only miss about one episode, and I'm excited about writing a story again. I've already kind of got some outlines in place for it, and I hope you'll enjoy it. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and hopefully you'll continue to tune in as the show changes, and have a wonderful day.